From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Discerning Marriage Podcast, hosted by Elizabeth Busby. Hello, hello, it's Elizabeth Busby here. Welcome back to the Discerning Marriage Podcast. I am really looking forward to sharing today's episode with you. It is an interview with Stephanie Callis from Spoken Bride, the ministry Spoken Bride. And this is a really, like I said, fun episode for me because I first discovered this ministry right after I got married. And it seemed like actually exactly what I'd been looking for before I got married. So she and her team are doing really phenomenal work um, with Catholic engaged couples and providing them with wonderful resources for their own engagement, but also to help inform their wedding planning. And they also do really neat work connecting Catholic engaged couples with Catholic vendors. So if you want, you know, obviously you, you need invitations if you're throwing a big wedding you need invitations, you need caterers, you need cake, you need flowers. And Spoken Bride does a really cool job of connecting Catholics who work in those industries to Catholic engaged couples who are looking to hire people in those industries. So I'm really looking forward to this chat with Stephanie and with her um, talking more about this book that she has published recently and the work that she's doing. So I'm excited to invite her on to the show. Hi, Stephanie. What's up? Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. <laughs> so I know you have this wonderful ministry and this incredible book that I would love to talk to you about in depth later in this episode. But let's start out by talking about this intriguing idea of yours that desiring a beautiful wedding day reflects the desire of every human heart. So I love that idea. I love that you talk about how it serves to draw the bride and the groom's guest's attention to the beauty of our creator. Um, can you talk to me a little bit more about that? I would love to. Yeah. So um, the theology of the body was a big part of my, um, you know, formation in my own spiritual journey. And um, as I kind of ventured into the wedding industry um, to write my book, Invited for Catholic Brides, and then to found my ministry, Spoken Bride, um, that idea just continued to come through for me. I think one of my biggest takeaways from Theology of the Body, as much as you can have a definitive takeaway, since there's always <laughs> more to unpack and more to uh, to dive into, is the idea that any any kind of pull on our hearts that we feel in this earthly life, you know, whether it's like something beautiful in nature, you know, a song that really like pierces your heart and and stirs you. All of that is such a tangible, you know, reminder and um, experience, I think, of God's love for us in the created world and in the material world. Um, and for couples getting married, um, there's such an opportunity to enter into that idea that anything we can experience through our senses is a way to image God's love, which could never be fully revealed to us on this earth. But so much of our Catholic faith does invite in all of our senses, you know, through music, through incense, um, you know, the prayers and the words of the mass. And then it's even more elevated in a wedding, you know, with special attire and flowers, different choral selections or any of those kind of personal details that a couple might bring into it. And so especially, um, I think in the kind of social and political climate that we are living in, when there's something that we love and we feel so strongly about, the temptation might be to argument first or to, um, you know, a lot of speech and rhetoric and 
reason, which, which can be powerful, but um, I think all of us have kind of learned, you know, as Americans or as a culture that so often argument can fall on deaf ears much more than the unspoken, kind of that classic, like preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Um, my belief is that the Catholic faith, and um, in particular, a really beautiful sensory wedding celebration can reach out and like grab people's hearts and have the potential to change their views and change their opinions so much more than if you were to sit down and be like, well, let me tell you about, you know, Catholic marriage or about my, my Catholic faith. Um, it's a starting point, but I consider it to really be a bridge, you know, God's goodness, his beauty, his truth, all of those are so evident in anything good or anything beautiful that we experience through our senses in the material world. And so, um, yeah, that can do, I think so much for, for relationships. And so no matter where someone's wedding guests are coming from, whether they're religious or not, whether they're practicing Catholics or not, I think it really does become impossible tonight to deny that there is something really captivating about a wedding where the details have been chosen with intention and care and where it's just so evident that something sacred and something really set apart from this world is going on. I love this. I had not thought until you just said it about how so it's true. So often our first reaction is to go and defend, like argue with words, the things that are really important to us. I mean, we're not going to get into it right now, but all this stuff going on with the liturgy in the church right now, um, with, I don't know when you're listening, y'all, but when the Mochi Proprio just came out about the, mm-hmm. the Latin mass, just everyone's first response is just to start talking and talking and talking. And I hadn't thought about how, if you're just abiding in that space with the Lord and in that, those truths that you, that you, you know, you know, are true, but that, that beauty that's piercing your heart, that truth that's piercing your heart, the way that you live in your wedding liturgy in this particular instance can do so much more than you just trying to sit and toss your thoughts on someone. So focusing that energy that you have on, for those of you who are engaged on planning your wedding, on pouring your, that, that desire for beauty into the details. I love that idea because that then becomes an evangelization piece that then becomes something that draws your people's hearts into the heart of the Lord without you even having to say a word. What an intoxicating idea. That is so beautiful. Yeah. Our faith as, as an invitation rather than just a set of you know, um, you know, what might be perceived as just a bunch of rules or directives, but to invite someone in, yeah, through something that can really move them or maybe like stir them to start asking questions, um, in my own experience has been a really powerful way of evangelizing without resorting first to just all of the argument and all of the, all the say that is beautiful. And even though, even for people, I'm like, now my brain is like racing because even for people who aren't planning a wedding right now, even just that posture that you're talking about, if we adopted that posture of just sitting before the Lord pierced with beauty, just sitting in that space with him and receiving that gift from him and not trying to rush through it, not trying to then go and give, but just sitting there and receiving how, uh, how else in other areas of our life, not something even as big as a wedding, but how in other areas of our life, will that just come out, right? That abiding, living from that abiding. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's sometimes like this feeling, um, both among engaged couples, but um, for anyone really, no matter where you're at in your vocation, um, maybe more so for for women, but I could see this applying to 
all persons as well, like this feeling that somehow it might be more virtuous not to be seeking out, you know, beauty or fancy things, feeling like, oh, that's too extra. Or like, that's not of God. That's a distraction from God. And so um, obviously that idea needs to be held, um, you know, in a good tension with right sure. priorities. But um, when I've met couples who will say like, oh, you know, the most important thing is just that it's the sacrament and like all the other stuff doesn't matter. Um, it's almost a sense of apology that wanting to have, you know, a really beautiful mass or a dress that you love for your wedding is somehow um, a distraction from the most important thing at hand. Um, I love the idea that those two elements can actually really complement and elevate each other, you know, um, beautiful surroundings can draw us into the beauty of the creator. And so I think when held in that perspective, um, that very natural desire that's already there for, um, you know, a beautiful liturgy, a beautiful wedding um, can just emphasize, you know, all of his goodness and all of his beauty even more. Oh, amen. I'm really excited about this. I love, <laughs> I, I just, if everyone got to sit, you know, right, right after they got engaged when they're sitting down and there's all this stuff to do and you're, you're thinking about budgets and numbers and all of the planners, but you you've done that work for us now, but I'm thinking back when I'd had before and I didn't have your beautiful Catholic planner. And I was just trying to figure out what to do. And there's all these things to choose. If at the beginning of that, they were able to listen to you and they were able to see, I have this incredible evangelization opportunity by just living fully alive in this space with the Lord. You know, like, cause some brides really care about flowers. Some brides really care about the dress. Some brides really care about, you know, like everyone has a different thing that they care about, but that reflects yeah, their yeah. heart and their love for the Lord and reflects yeah, a, a there's piece, a to that. Yeah, yeah, of the Lord's heart and beauty that he can use to draw people. I love it. I love it. Oh, so well, thank you. I should say though, just to clear up any ideas people might be having that this was not going through my head every day when I was engaged here. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a that has, you know, developed in my own heart and my own mind um, over time. And um, there's also, you know, all this spiritual goodness that we can talk about that is so good and important, but like the daily realities of having to make those choices when you're, you know, buying stuff for your wedding and, um, you know, booking vendors and booking venues. Um, I would also remind people that like, it's okay if every decision doesn't feel like it has such a spiritual weight or that, yes. you know, hate a bicker. it's okay to, you know, have a little bit of hesitation with decision-making and things like that. Um, yes. all of us I'm glad that. you said that. <laughs> yes. And not everything is going to be, well, even just with wedding planning in general, mm. most, most people have a budget and so you can't spend everything on everything, right? There are some areas that you have to, and I'm, you know, I'm a, a very much assuming you, you go into this in your book and you talk about how to make those priorities and how to decide, you know, for your own self, what to do and where to spend on and where to DIY and whatever. Um, but that, but even just having that overall posture of like, some of these things really matter to me and that's okay. And what that does is it allows for Christ to enter in, you know, Christ, the beautiful bridegroom to enter into this space and captivate people's hearts through this beauty. I love that. Yeah, I love that love image, it. the the posture of receiving and just like letting his abundance show and whatever is important to us. That's beautiful. Oh, this is so beautiful. I love it so much. Okay. So let's continue this discussion by turning our attention to your ministry, Spoken Bride. So I went very quickly over your introduction and did not dive deeply into it. I would love for you to do that now for some of our listeners who maybe haven't heard of your ministry yet or ones who have heard of it, but would love a refresh. Can you just kind of give me Give me a refresh. Give me your thoughts on your ministry, yeah, on what you so, do, um, how it got started and what you mm -hmm. do now, but also about your book. So I'm going to hand it over to you so you can talk for a bit. 
Great. So um, my, I guess, kind of career in the wedding industry started not as a career um, at all. Um, the year after I got married, I was unemployed for six or seven months and then took a job working at a call center where you're on the phone every day. It was for a bank. So it was a lot of people getting upset with you that you can't, you know, oh. and things like that. I would cry every day on the oh. way to work. <laughs> I lasted a few months there, um, endured as long as I could. But um, part of what gave me energy there was that I had just come off the heels of my wedding. So kind of riding that like newlywed high and like the honeymoon <laughs> phase. And then that same year, my husband and I had, I think, nine or 10 other close friends and family members weddings on the calendar. So it was this Tis awesome the season. whirlwind <laughs> yeah. exactly of seeing a lot of our same friends, you know, every couple months at someone's um, celebration. Um, that was really beautiful to take part in and cool for me as um, someone who had gotten married um, kind of before some of my other friends just to experience all of the really personal and specific ways that you could see a couple's faith shown in the choices that they made for their wedding mass or what kind of family traditions they brought into their reception, knowing that um, we all were coming from the same standpoint and the same understanding of our Catholic faith and a priority for entering into our vocations and still just having all these really different like myriad ways of, of showing that was a really neat witness to me just of like the uniqueness of every couple and like how specific God's hand is in every love story. Um, so spiritually, that was really neat. And it just kind of fostered this excitement I had for the wedding world in general. And then on the practical side, um, having gotten married a few months before some of my close friends, people will call every once in a while and be like, oh, like, how did you figure out what order to print your program pages in, or that was a nice way to say something to a person who RSVPs for their boyfriend, but they weren't on the invitation kind of a thing. <laughs> and I certainly, I wouldn't have considered myself an expert by any means. Um, at that point in my life, um, the only experience that I had over my friends was that I had been through the wedding planning experience, however imperfectly or however incompletely. But um, I had a love for writing. I was an English major in college and was looking for some kind of creative outlet during this, um, you know, kind of robotic uh, call center job <laughs> that I was going through. And so um, during my breaks, I just would have like a notebook with me and start being like, oh, like, wouldn't it be awesome to make a website for brides? Like you could talk about all these practicals of wedding planning, um, tell people stories, like give ideas for decorations and for projects. Um, so that was really satisfying for me. Um, and then in 2013, I was approached by uh, the Daughters of St. Paul, um, Pauline Books and Media, who said, like, we've seen your website and we've seen a need in our market for a marriage resource for couples that um, kind of gets more into the practicals and the personal than just a marriage prep program or a pre-cana program would do something that addresses both the spiritual and the practical sides of wedding planning. Um, so I said, yes, not really having a sense of the gravity of it at the time, <laughs> although now I'm certainly more than grateful for, you know, the doors that that has opened and the opportunity just to share my thoughts. So that became my first book, um, Invited the Ultimate Catholic Wedding Planner. It was first released in 2016. And um, in the weeks and months preceding the launch of that edition of the book, I had found myself wanting to kind of like share my thoughts, um, keep writing about weddings, keep that kind of artistic hunger satisfied, but wasn't sure what I was able to offer as far as like, you know, where did my 
talents lie? How much time and energy could I devote to this? Um, my son had been born in the interim time. I wrote the book while he would like sleep on my lap during that. I have like one tab open with a white noise player and one tab open with you know, Microsoft Word to write the manuscript. So that was cool. It was kind of like maternal in two different ways. I, I guess you, so certainly twins. you birth the twins every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two babies at one time. Yeah. So, um, I had a, fr- uh, a couple of friends in the wedding industry whom I'd worked with on my personal blog. Uh, one was Andy Compton, who was uh, an event planner in uh, Los Angeles. And the other is Dries Azito, who was, um, a wedding photographer at the time who was trying to serve Catholic clients and be able to offer the expertise that a shared faith could bring to the experience with, um, having really reverent, but still, you know, artistic and talented ways of shooting the mass, you know, interceding for the couples, helping with, um, kind of the details of planning out a liturgy. So we had started talking about a ministry for brides just as far as connecting couples with Catholic wedding vendors. And then between all of our shared uh, kind of areas of focus, you know, photography, events, and and writing, it turned into this idea for, um, for a blog and a vendor guide um, that eventually became Spoken Bride, um, which launched in 2016. We launched on the Feast of the Visitation with the idea that women can be there to, to build each other up and to support one another at the start of their vocations, just as, um, as Elizabeth and Mary did. And a lot of this idea of beauty that you and I have been talking about the last few minutes um, played in right from the start, wanting to reassure brides that a desire for a beautiful wedding, you know, visually is not, is not a bad desire, but can be channeled into, um, you know, revealing the heart of God and the love of God to your wedding guests, but while also still being authentic and not shying away from, you know, the difficulties and the crosses of this vocation. And so that's where we started and where we're at now, five years later is, um, a team of about 15 women that we work with. Um, we now also offer, um, a podcast a shop with products for the wedding liturgy and for the home. And we've continued with our blog and our real wedding content, as well as our vendor guide to, um, to connect clients and, and vendors together. So it's been, it's been a labor of love. I'm really proud of, of what we made and just trying to, um, you know, stay true to our intention to just um, show, you know, all of the goodness and also all of the, the challenges and the sanctity that this vocation brings out in us. That's so beautiful. It's incredible to see how your yes has transformed into something so much bigger than I bet you even imagined it would possibly be. (laughs) Loved meeting so many women with just a heart for this mission, um, who I hope have found it fruitful and who've been able to, you know, bring their gifts to sharing what we have to offer as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit more about your book? I know you mentioned that you were approached to write it, and I know that it has recently come out with a very exciting update. So can you go ahead and give us kind of the background of what the book is on a very practical level so that people who are listening can know if it's a good fit for them or not? Sure. So um, the second edition of my book, Invited, was released uh, this past summer with Pauline uh, two years ago after having grown in a little bit of expertise on the behind the scenes side of weddings through Spoken Bride, through our vendor relationships and through working with brides, just getting more a sense of kind of like the technical and um, practical side of wedding planning. I felt that there was more 
that I could offer. Um, I feel like I've become such a big advocate for wedding vendors and for educating brides and couples on um, trying to be the best clients that they can be, you know, just fostering a sense of trust and keeping a sense of openness and communication um, as far as um, trusting that you're in good hands and that um, asking your vendors how they typically do things will usually yield the most satisfying experience for the both of you. Um, and also reassurance too, that if you do not book all Catholic wedding vendors, um, it doesn't mean your day will be any less holy or that your final, you know, wedding photos or your final experience on the dance floor with the meal or whatever it might be, would be any less. But again, that, um, you know, the way that we talk about our faith, um, I think can be a bridge as far as evangelization, but also in just um, good business, like customer and, um, and vendor <laughs> yes. relationships. Um, so I was really eager to share that. And then on that same topic of how we deliver our messages, um, at the time that I wrote the first draft of the book, my husband and I were giving a lot of talks on engaged retreats in our diocese which we enjoyed, um, but was often to a mixed audience of couples, some of whom were returning to the church maybe for the first time since their first communion or since their confirmation. Um, others who were really involved in their parish, involved in ministry, and were kind of looking for something deeper. And so um, uh, it takes a lot of humility for me to admit this now, but um, I look back at the first edition of my book and I think that maybe I was casting too wide a net trying to appeal to both the people who wanted to dive deeper and to the people who were mm. a little bit skeptical. And uh -huh. I was really eager to kind of like hone in the focus. Um, I had developed this ethos of beauty being, um, you know, a bridge into God's love and just um, an unspoken witness um, that could be really powerful. And so I asked the sisters, um, at the publisher, you know, like, what do you think of me taking another crack at this? I can deliver this message in um, maybe a clearer and also a gentler way that um, is still compelling and that offers this kind of like education for couples as, as clients in the wedding industry. Um, so yeah, it was released this summer and got a little makeover with like a new cover and uh, a new description and things. Um, I'm so proud of what it is. It really feels like me talking. And um, I truly do hope that um, anyone listening, wherever you're at in your journey, whether um, you are returning to the church for your wedding or whether um, you are practicing your faith and are looking for something a little more, that um, there is something that you can find as far as just understanding that, um, you know, God meets us where we are in our weddings and through our choices. He can also meet your guests and your friends and your family with that. That's really beautiful. So what would you say is kind of the maybe you can't break it into percentage, but the, like some of what you're talking about is like a very practical, like almost like this, not almost this book will be a good, um, option for you to know, like timing and checklists and all that stuff that a bride wants to know, like how, what, how far out do I need to do programs? How far out do I need to book a photographer? How far out? Like some of those practical questions. And I know that your book addresses those things, but it also has the more, um, almost like a, a higher up discussion about, the posture, the appropriate posture, you know, the, the beauty, all these other things. So what would you say is kind of the makeup in your book between the two? I think it's probably pretty evenly split. Um, there are practical chapters on, um, you know, marriage prep, first steps after getting engaged, planning a wedding ceremony, planning a wedding reception. But it was also really important to me to be able to address kind of the more personal things that arise 
in couples' hearts while they're engaged and while they're on this journey to marriage. Um, and so um, there's a chapter for um, written to women specifically on the feminine genius and um, the idea of, um, you know, physical beauty and kind of reconciling that with any insecurities that we might have, any um, desires that, again, are natural and, and good um, to want to look our best on our wedding day, um, but for, for good reasons and held in tension with understanding, you know, the bigger gravity of the day. And then, um, sexuality encompasses a good portion mm-hmm. of it too. Good. Um, I mentioned earlier that I had been, you know, changed big time personally by the theology of the body. Um, I spent a year, um, speaking on the chastity and pro-life messages, um, after college, um, and actually attended the Institute for a week during Did that you? year. Oh my gosh. Um, how exciting. It's supposed to be, uh, a way that we could like help form our audiences and the students that we were speaking to. But I look back now and I see that as so much of the formation for my young adult life and just the development wow. of, um, you know, how much more complexity I've kind of seen in those messages. Um, we seem to be at a point in the culture where, uh, maybe there's a recognition that some of the ways that messages have been delivered about, um, you know, either abstinence or chastity or both in the past have been a little bit more rooted in fear or a little bit mm. more rooted in shame. Um, Reach. To me, yes. it's, it's so important to reassure anyone reading this book that no matter what their sexual past or their dating history, um, you know, when you are with someone that you have said yes to marrying, you know, I hopefully... I truly hope that, you know, you are in the presence of someone who will show, you know, the same merciful love and acceptance that the Lord shows to each of us. And so um, providing words that um, discuss the church's teachings on things like, um, you know, contraceptives and pornography um, and just everything that our wedding vows encompass um, in a way that's gentle and that calls the reader on, but that doesn't invoke that sense of shame um, was really um, something that I felt passionately about including. So there's significant stuff about that in there too. Um, And then just the last thing that um, I would say distinguishes the um, kind of more spiritual and like the more conversational side of the book is that um, Pauline and I both wanted it to not just be for women to read. I think sometimes uh, the grooms during engagement can feel a little bit like, you know, what's my (laughs) role. I think a lot of men, they want to be more than just, you know, an open checkbook or someone kind of like nodding along with the decisions. But there's this question of like, you know, like what is each of our roles going to be in our planning and in all of these decisions. Um, And so my husband is a published writer as well. They had him write um, a section and a reflection at the each of, I'm losing my Um, At the end of each chapter, um, my husband, Andrew, has written a reflection and he's written discussion questions for couples to talk about together so that um, this can truly be a resource for bride and groom together and not be just experienced or just planned in isolation, but to really foster, you know, um, a good sense of openness and communication and just growing in closeness as a couple. Oh, I love it. This seems like even if you're listening and you're not engaged, this would be the perfect gift for someone that you know is getting engaged, whether it's friends (laughs) or siblings or your kids or whoever you are. I just, I love the more that I hear about it, the more I'm like, this is just so beautiful. And to have it at the beginning and to have, you know, the, the practical interspersed with the really important kind of spiritual, emotional pieces is really helpful to keep your focus where it needs to be, to not let one overshadow the other. That's really beautiful that. 
Cool. Okay. So, um, so obviously a big chunk of our listeners aren't yet engaged because well, some of them are of course, but some of them are probably not. So with that in mind, what is one practical tip related to this idea of beauty and wedding planning, um, that someone who's discerning marriage could implement in their lives while they're still discerning before they get engaged? I think that for me, um, a big part of entering into my vocation and just how I've tried to live out my Catholic faith in my life is the idea of integrity um, in the sense Mm. of integration, which I think also for me has been rooted in my theology of the body education. Um, The idea that, um, you know, our body expresses who we are, it expresses the reality of our soul. So often for me, I found that dissatisfaction either in my spiritual life, in my parenting, in my, you know, various relationships in my life. Um, anytime I feel a sense of restlessness or a sense of like, you know, what am I doing here can usually be for me traced to a sense of disintegration. Either I'm not mm. acting in accord with what I say is, is most important to me, or I'm not following through on things that I want to commit to being accountable for. So for someone who is still discerning marriage or someone who is engaged or married, um, I would encourage you to make a list of what you want your life to stand for. What do you value most? And what at the end of your life do you want to say that you spent the most time on? And then, you know, hold up the mirror and like enter into the discomfort of thinking like, am I acting in accord with this, you know, um, every few months I'll write in my journal too, you know, what I want to prioritize even for a particular month for my family, but also overall in my life, like, are my priorities integrated with my day-to-day actions? You know, it's so true. The saying that like the days are long, but the years are short. Um, if over and over I'm habitually choosing to open up social media on my phone instead of like go outside and like, you know, observe, you know, the surroundings, around me or spend time with my children, spend time with my husband. Um, the thought that that could add up to a life, you know, spent on my iPhone or spent, um, not being fully alive or not having my eyes fully open to all that, you know, the Lord wants to reveal and wants to, to say to me is a really sobering and a really motivating thought. Um, and as far as how that relates to a discernment of marriage, um, I think that, it's worth considering what you want your family culture to be like, or even what you want your married life to be like, you know, what will you and your spouse prioritize? What kind of, um, you know, media will become really special to your family, maybe like a movie tradition or, um, you know, like a particular meal traditions for, for holidays, or even just like the little things that kids will grow up being like, Oh, mom and dad, you know, they always said such (laughs) and such, what is going to be the bedrock and the foundation of, you know, your life that will eventually become, your legacy. It might sound so huge to think of it in terms of the big picture of your life, but I know that for me, um, both when I was single and now as um, a married woman, um, it's been really encouraging at times that I felt frustrated with how I am spending my time and what I'm investing in to think like, what do I ultimately want to have spent my time invested in? And am I taking like concrete steps to do that in my daily life? I love this. This is very good. And I love too, how you just tied that into how doing this exercise now, um, cause I always tell people you will never have as much time as you have right now when you're single, <laughs> like yes, you, think, yes. you think you're busy, you think you're busy, but 
the Lord has something for you later and your time will not be your own. Um, and so I love that what you're suggesting, creating this list, being intentional with your focus, you're, you're showing us how this plays out. If you can build this discipline now, how this also is a skill that will help you to live a very fulfilling life once you're in your vocation and you have your children and that's really beautiful. I love it. God willing. Yeah. Thank and you. I think the reason that I am still doing it now, you know, years after starting this practice for myself, I don't really remember how it got started is that it always still is like that constant battle of, you know, decision-making and, um, deciding what my priorities are going to be even early on in our marriage. I would think like, Oh, I want our marriage to be characterized by, you know, adventure and exploring our town and trying all these new things. And then if on a Saturday afternoon, I've sat by myself watching four episodes of a show that my husband's not interested in, then I was, just, you know, I was in isolation. I wasn't with him. I'm not living out what I say is the most important to me. And, you know, everyone needs those days to sit and to watch TV or whatever it might be for you. But, um, again, thinking about, um, kind of the long game and like the big picture of, um, you know, what I want to stand for and what I want to value, um, I know has helped me in a big way. So, yes. Yeah. Um, I love how you find anyone who's still a work in progress. Yes. I love how you phrased it of your life adds up to what all these little moments are. So like, yeah, it's great to have a refreshing afternoon, you know, like with a few hours by yourself, but if that's what you do over and over, that's your life then, you know, it's not just this moment of refreshment. It's, this is what you do with your life. And this is your culture of your family. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that intentionality. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, (laughs) Stephanie. This has been a joy and so fulfilling for me too. I'm, I'm going to go make a list in my journal about what I want to be doing. (laughs) So I love that. Um, and I hope that our listeners are able to glean something from that practical activity, but also are able to avail themselves of all the incredible resources that Spoken Bride has and that your book has. And I'm so grateful to your yes to the Lord, because, um, I desperately needed this when I was engaged, I wanted it and it was, it didn't exist yet. And so I'm very, very grateful uh, for all the brides who come after me and the grooms who come after my husband that, um, they now have this resource from you. So thank you for your yes. And thank you for your time. And, um, I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Stephanie. She is a joy. It's always so fun when you meet people on the internet and you like see them on Instagram and they seem lovely, but then you meet them in person and they are delightful. So that was, that's a really fun experience for me. Um, I loved that and I hope you loved it too. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please subscribe to the podcast. We would be so honored to have you getting notifications of when we are, um, dropping new episodes and all those things. So please subscribe and be watching for, um, YouTube videos on the Theology of the Body Institute channel. I am now going to be putting YouTube videos out. So if this is um, this kind of thing is your jam, discerning marriage, obviously you're listening to this, so clearly you enjoy it. Uh, but I will have some new podcast, I'm sorry, new YouTube videos out with the Theology of the Body Institute on their channel. So I will link the channel in the show notes, and you can be so you can subscribe on there so you can know when my episodes drop. So. Thank you so much again for listening and until next time, stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid. The Discerning Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute. For more information about discerning marriage, visit discerningmarriage.com. To learn more about the theology of the body, visit tobinstitute.org.